Hello, Bayshore. Will you sing it with me? Bayshore. Oh, man. I just want you to know I've been planning on doing that for about six months now. So I, you know, I tried that song at my church. They don't know what I'm doing. So you guys are so great. You're one of the only camps that I know of that I get to speak at that actually has their own theme song, which is amazing. So I say copyright that thing now and make sure you get the rights. Otherwise, people will be downloading it on YouTube for free now. What more can you say about the book of Hebrews? I mean, it's, it's profound. Um, there's so much there. I wanna, I'll just say this. If I could only spend the rest of my life hanging out in one book of the Bible, it would be Hebrews. It's the, it's the belt buckle of the Old and New Testament. And as a big man, I appreciate belt buckles. Now, I do know that um, we plan on hopefully getting through like 13 chapters of Hebrews in our week together, but I don't know if we'll get past verse 4. Consider what this book says. It says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, God says when he brings his firstborn into the world that all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will all be changed. They will remain the same and your years will never end. Now, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand? until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received as just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? And gang, that's just the first chapter and a little bit of the second one. I mean, come on! This is a great book, and this is a great word, not because it's the Scripture in and of itself, though we love God's Word. What we love really, ultimately, is a person. It's the who that we love. It's the truth. It's Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. We need to get to know Him this week. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to do that? I worry about the people in the back who aren't ready to do that. People in the back, are you ready to do that? Excellent. Yes. Okay, good. How about people over here in the deluxe seating? Are you ready to do that? Wow. How about people over here in the vintage seating? you ready to do that? Great. Okay, there's one thing we're going to try. I don't know how this will go because we're in the thumb of Michigan. One of my favorite things about the thumbs is uh, the thumbs. There's just one thumb in Michigan, at least right now, is, uh, is like I love the fact that on certain roads, like on M25 at certain points, you can see for miles and miles. I can see for There are just places where you can see. You feel like Mackinac Bridge is just right over there. You can see so far. I love that. But the one problem with this beautiful land is that it's also desolate of cell towers. So we're going to try something. This is my cell phone number. Seriously, here it is on the screen. It's 517-990-4665. That's me. 
I also have a Twitter handle. I'm going to ask you to, if you're a phone user, you don't have to keep it down low. It's all right. It's a safe place. I'm going to ask you to text me at some point during this message. And um, here's a couple things I want to tell you about texting. Um, at the church that I come from, people text me throughout the whole message, and I try to work it in if I can. I don't always get to it. If I don't get to what you text me, it's okay. Don't take it personally. Um, I'm actually hoping that you will text me things as we're talking because it helps guide whatever path we take, right? Like, I knew how to start it with the Bay Shore. After that, I got nothing. So I'm really counting on you guys. Not really. I'm really counting on you guys, though, to make this interactive. And what I have discovered uh, is in doing this in, in places large and small is that uh, the Holy Spirit is able to sort of get our attention in a different way. So I actually want to ask you a question. I invite you to text me in just an answer. All I need is a couple. Um, would you just tell me just in a few words how God has changed your life at Bayshore Camp? Now, I know some of us could write whole books of the New Testament on this, and I, I, I believe, I know that God has been doing things for many years, as we have already heard. But I just wonder if you could tell me about maybe some things that happened to you in years past. And if this is your first time, that's all right. Maybe God will do something this year. Like, we're glad you're here. But, but I know, because I've been here before, uh, that there is a deep and profound lineage and joy and passion and love for Jesus here. And there are stories, and each of you are a testimony to God's grace in some way, shape, or form. All of you reflect him in one way or another. My goodness, you were created in his image. You are God's workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's poema, his poem, his workmanship. So all of you reflect God's glory. I'm just curious, what has God done in years past, or maybe even in the last couple of days? Because I know I'm kind of jumping in midstream. I know you guys have been at it for a couple of days already, but I'm just curious, what has God done in your life here at Bayshore? Okay, I'm just going to read a couple, all right? Bayshore, someone wrote, good, okay. Uh, holy boldness. Someone wrote, becoming more bold to share Christ and pray for others. I made a lordship commitment 46 years ago. Amen. A solid recommitment to Christ, a consistent place to be in God's presence. Decisions about family. Met my husband here. I can't relate to that one. Grow so much at Bayshore. Many different skilled teachers at Bayshore. Uh, he showed me a family of love. I did not grow up with that. I just want you to know, seriously, I've had two conversations with people who are going through some sort of a family crisis right now and are here. And, and I'm going to put myself, I'm going to be number three on that list. So there are at least three of us here that are like really dealing with stuff, and yet here we are at family camp. What better place to be, right? I mean, come on. Uh, just a couple more. I brought my family together, developed a, prash, a passion for prayer. I was introduced to the Holy Spirit. God spoke to me about laying down the stones I was holding. I renewed my walk every year standing on holy ground. I mean, do, do you just get the sense that we are surrounded by God's workmanship? Do you get the sense of his grace? Do you, do you sense that what he is doing is so profound and so much greater than anything that we could see? In Ephesians, it says that he is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or ever imagine according to what? It's not according to what I do. It's not according to my merit or my effort. It's according to his power at work within us. It doesn't even say me. It says us. And so, I'm just telling you right now, like, the, the ground is fertile. The Holy Spirit wants to do stuff. But, but we, you and I have a decision right now whether we're going to lean into that or just kind of lay back from it. So thank you for those answers and the many more that I didn't get to. Now I want to ask a different question that I, I'd like you to text into me. What are you expecting or hoping God will do this year at family camp?
What are you expecting or hoping God will do this year at family camp? What are your expectations? What, what, do, you, what do you imagine will make a successful, a good, a meaningful year? And of course, like, yeah, we had a good time with our family, our kids and grandkids. We want to, you know, have a great time enjoying the week of rest and, and, you know, slowing down a little bit and, you know, being in the 90-degree weather together. It's good. Sweating together builds fellowship. We all know that, right? So, um, but I want to go a little deeper. Like, what are you hoping God will do? And the great thing about texting me, by the way, is uh, it's, it's essentially, it's essentially anonymous. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, look at this, so-and-so here is having an ontological crisis. Would you stand, sir, and come forward? I'm not going to do that because I don't know who you are. These are some expectations we have. Um, That I will continue to grow in my walk with Christ. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. I'm looking for something unexpected, a wow experience. I'm hoping that he will draw my family closer to him. I'm hoping to fully surrender worries. I'm praying for full healing. I'm praying that he will bring back to me a feeling of his love and presence in my life. Here's one that that I would be an, give me that the Lord would give me insights as to how to be a holy caregiver for our parents. How to develop a strong relationship with God. That God would reveal an answer to a tough decision. That God would stir the fire in my heart and make me contagious that God would speak to me so that I can hear you for revival and renewal, that God would leave a changed, that I would leave a changed person more in the image of Jesus, yes, to gain peace and understanding. It's a pretty good list, don't you think? I mean, can we relate to this? Like, wouldn't it be sad if we came all the way to Sugarland, right? If we came all the way to Sibawang and we were here all week. Yeah, I just called it Sugarland. I don't know. Is it okay to do that? I never know. So the first day speaker thinks, you'll tell me tomorrow what I'm doing wrong today. It's fine. I don't smell it. Do you guys smell it? Not yet. What does that mean? Is something about to happen that I don't know about? Listen, um, listen. back in uh, 1999 or 2000, I was here with Wellspring from Spring Arbor University. We were the traveling music team. Same Wellspring that's, I mean, they're much younger and better looking, but same Wellspring that's over there in the family center with our teens right now. And our housing was in some RVs along uh, a nice quaint field. But that's what we thought it was because we got here in the dark. We found out in the middle of the night, those are railroad tracks. (laughs) And they're active from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. And that when an engine clicks onto an empty boxcar, you really think Jesus has returned. I got saved that night. Listen, I'm sweating like an evangelist up here now. Yeah, someone reminds me, harvest doesn't start till October. So there you have it. Isn't that the great thing about this? We're in sync, not the band. Someone's praying for strength in their weariness. Someone's praying for healing that would manifest. You know, could we open to 1 Peter chapter 2? Let's, let's start there. Because I think it's, it's okay for us to come to this with expectation because this is what we don't want to do. I mean, here we are. We've been given this gift of time, this opportunity to be all together like this. I don't want us to go home and be like, yeah, it was fine. Like, is it, is it wrong? Seriously, is it, is it unfair for us to expect that in God's presence we would be transformed? Now, 
it's up to him what that looks like. And it's up to him the timing on that. You know, some of you, I can tell from your text, you've been praying for years about the same thing. We have people in our church that prayed for 15 to 20 years. In fact, there was one, one, um, one lady, she's a mother, young child, goes prodigal, as I hear we'll be talking about in the studies tomorrow. She prayed every week, every week, every week from 1998 to 2007. And it was then that he finally came back and she believed that God answers those prayers. But, but some of you have been praying for a long time. Wouldn't it be sad if we all just kind of left home and went back to our life? What if we left here different? Do you remember Isaiah chapter 6? where it says that Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temple, not unlike this tabernacle. And perhaps, perhaps in the temple they even had supports like this that were holding it up and a very tall ceiling. And there's God on the throne. Isaiah finds himself before a holy God and what does he say? He says, woe to me, right? He says, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. I've been around unclean people. I myself am unclean. I've got a problem. It says that the temple shook and it filled with smoke. Isaiah was not necessarily having a good time. It was much deeper than that. He was experiencing the holy and manifest presence of God. Now, does God want to do that here? I don't know, but I want to be ready if he does. So are you open to 1 Peter chapter 2? Great. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. We'll pick it up at verse 4. And if you don't have a Bible, um, find one and, and, and bring it. Um, or if you have it on your phone, that's okay too, as long as you promise not to go cruising on Facebook or Reddit. Just, just you know, go to like BibleGateway.com or something. But First Peter chapter 2, verse 4. I was, I was thinking about this night for a long time, praying about it and just trying to get a sense of where God wanted us to be. And I, I think this is where we're supposed to start. First Peter chapter 2. Peter writes, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you, already, this scripture assumes something of our posture when it comes to being before God. What does it assume? Right there at, the fir- at verse 4, it assumes that we're coming to him. Which is why I thought, Perhaps this is where we should start tonight. Because as the speaker, uh, you know, we're going to be friends. We're going to be hanging out all week. You you've actually have my number. We're friends now. Like, I don't want to assume that everybody in this room is just ready to, ready to approach the Lord. Because I know for some people, the weight and the burden of the suffering that you bring here tonight actually seems heavier as you're around people who seem to have it all together. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So listen, let's just go with what the Scripture says and let's come to him. Let's come to him regardless. Listen, it, come as you are. It's so funny, you know, I'll invite people who don't go to church to come to my church and I'm a pastor, so I already got one strike against me, right? Like, like they, they don't want to like be my friend necessarily because they think I wear a collar. They, they don't get it. They don't get church stuff. The unchurched people don't get church and, and why would we expect them to? But when I invite them to church, still, sadly, one of the things I hear is, I don't have nice enough clothes for church. Or, I think I should really quit smoking before I should come to church. Or, I figure I should get my life together before I come to church. Listen, that is backwards. That's not how the gospel works. The gospel doesn't say, get your life together so you can come to Jesus. 
we're not, we're not getting ourselves all prettied up so that we can impress him with how good we are at our personal spiritual grooming. Man, we come to Jesus as a mess. We come to him as we are, only by his grace, only by his mercy, only through his redemption, only by the invitation of his spirit. So hear me, hear me in this. The Holy Spirit is inviting us to come to him tonight, which requires us to lean forward and to actually approach that the one we come to knows what it is to be rejected, for he himself was rejected. By who? It says in the scripture he was rejected by humans, which means that all of us in some way, shape, or form, in essence, have rejected Jesus. That we have built into our sinfulness a default to reject the things of God. It's actually in our spiritual DNA. But yet this one who was rejected by humans was chosen by God, and not just chosen, but precious to him. And so we are considered to be precious as well. In verse 5, it says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, which means now all of a sudden, we're submitting ourselves to the way of this Jesus who wants to take us as spiritual stones and to build us into a house of his choosing and his desire and to his glory, which means not only do we have to lean in and actually approach the throne of grace with confidence to find help in our time of need, as it says in Hebrews, but most certainly to come to him and to submit and to say, here I am. You take over from here. Because he's doing something that we couldn't possibly anticipate. I bet if we were to go around the room and and if we were to dive deeper on the things you've shared tonight, you know, you've shared like God has done this, that. I found the Lord. I came to Christ. I, 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 God stirred me. God, he lit me up. He caught me on fire at Bayshore X amount of years ago. I bet that most of you didn't see that coming. In 1997, I was in Fort Collins, Colorado at a youth conference. It was the International Youth Conference for the Free Methodist Church. Did you guys know I'm Free Methodist? Did you guys know you're United Methodist, some of you? There was a, there was a joke in uh, a seminary, Asbury Seminary. One of the profs said that, ha, huh, he, he'd start out with a gruff, ha, huh, he'd say, United Methodists are about as united as Free Methodists are free, ha, ha, ha. Now, to this day, I don't really know why that's funny. I don't get it, but okay. So we were at this Free Methodist Youth Conference, Free Methodist high schoolers from all over the nation in Fort Collins, Colorado, at Colorado State University. And there we are in Moby Arena, this huge basketball arena. And, and, and the floor, which is obviously normally like a basketball court, has chairs in it, just like the chairs you're sitting in, facing a stage that they've set up at one end under one of the, one of the baskets. They've gotten it up out of the way. And the bleachers that go up the sides, like any arena you could imagine, are filled with people, you know, 2,300 students and then a bunch of adult leaders and everybody else. There were a lot of us there. And that night, I was preparing to basically go back home as a high school student and begin my job as an electrical apprentice. That I, that I took this job to be an electrician. I, I thought, okay, I'm going to become an electrician. I'm going to get my journeyman's card. I'll work at Chrysler. I'll make 40 bucks an hour. It'll be great. Like, that was my plan. The problem is I knew that God was calling me to ministry. And so I went to IYC, the International Youth Conference in Fort Collins, Colorado, there at Moby Arena, expecting to just sort of say, man, youth group was fun, but now it's time to be an adult and get a job and punch the clock and, and get my journeyman's card. And it was at that event that I know God spoke to me. I did not hear him audibly. I've never audibly heard the voice of God, but I knew that the Holy Spirit was talking to me because he said to me, in essence, Adam, that's me, he said, Adam, you're being a chicken. I said, what? 
And I remember distinctly, it seemed like he was saying to me, Adam, you're being a chicken. You know why he was calling me that? Because I did not trust him. I did not trust him with my life. I did not trust him with my future. I really thought that it was my job to get a career, make some money, and then try to do ministry on the side if I could. How wrong I was. You see, I was leaning into Jesus to say, here's my agenda. I'm here to like say goodbye to my youth group days and get ready to be a big boy who, who works a job. That was my agenda. See, I leaned in. I did that part. The problem is I wasn't ready to be a living stone submitted to him. And it was when I submitted to him. I went to my youth pastor that night. I said, I think God wants me to do this. And my youth pastor said, of course he wants you to do this. We all see this, but you had to discover this for yourself. And now, 20 years later, I don't exactly know what I'm doing. But anyway, here I am. I made it this far, all right? And I'm a better pastor than an electrician. I forget more electrical things every year. I know just enough to be dangerous. And so I go back to my job, and I say, I am so sorry, but I have to quit this apprenticeship. Now, the part that I didn't tell you is that when I got this apprenticeship, I competed against a whole bunch of different students. And I got through all the, all the hoops and all the tests and all that, and I was one of two students in the county chosen for this once-in-a-lifetime deal. This was the dream job in Metro Detroit that I was getting. And so at the occasion where we signed the five-year agreement where, where we would work there for five years and get our journeyman's card and then be free to work elsewhere as they paid for my schooling, at that, at that ceremony, they brought in a former Miss America. I don't remember her name, but I know her last name was America. Miss America. And... and me and this other guy, Andrew, there's a picture of us. I still have it from 1997, and it's me and Andrew and Miss America. And, like, she's there, biggest smile, and both of us are like, <laughs> you know, just trying not to be goofy. And they had chocolate-covered strawberries. But I knew, and this is before IYC, I knew that when I was signing that, it wasn't the right thing. I knew it. But it wasn't until I was ready to submit and be a living stone that God was actually able to get a hold of my heart. Now you're saying he's God, he could have done that anytime he wanted to. He, he could barge in right now. If, if God would just open up the ceiling of the tabernacle and just reveal himself to us, revival would be no problem. People would be coming to the altar like crazy, right? Why doesn't he do that? I don't know. I'm not God. But I want to be ready for when he moves. Are you ready for when he moves? Look at the scripture. Look at this. In verse 4, or verse 6 rather, 1 Peter 2, 6. It says in the scripture, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. It's fairly black and white sort of binary thing. We're either obeying and trusting or, we, or we're not. And so one of the questions we might even ask today is, all right, am I living a life of obedience? Because if not, I'm stumbling. Perhaps, perhaps that's my deal. Perhaps that's why the breakthrough is coming. I don't know. But it's something we need to be open to. Now, before we get to the next verse, verse 9, I want to take us back to to the question I asked a couple minutes ago. Remember when I asked you, I said, all right, so what are we hoping God will do? Remember that question? I said, what are we expecting God to do? It's a fair question, right? Because we want to leave here 
as if we've truly been in God's holy presence. So what are we expecting him to do? Great question. Great answers from you, Bayshore. But let me ask this. What is God expecting of me? And what is God expecting of you? Because it's really easy to expect and demand something of God because he's God and forget that he's waiting for us to lean in, that he's waiting for us to submit, that he's waiting for us to surrender, that he's watching for us to obey. So if the question is, what is God expecting of me here at Bayshore? No matter what, I, what state I'm in, what's the next logical step for any and every person in this room? It's verse 9. It's to remember who you are. Can I tell you who you are, followers of Jesus? This is who you are. A chosen people, which means it's no accident that you are who you are, and you're here, and you are in this moment right now. This is no accident for anybody. You are a royal priesthood. Do you think of yourself in this way? You are actually considered a part of the royalty of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that you are a holy nation, that in this room many of us are citizens of the United States, but there is a citizenship that is even greater, and it's that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And this kingdom of God runs counter to so many things in our culture, and it's so easy to fall asleep to this coming and growing and spreading kingdom, that you are members of a holy nation, that you, Bayshore, are God's special possession. Now, why would God do this? Well, at least for one reason, it's right here, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What does God expect of us? I would dare say total surrender and nothing less. Now, sometimes in family camp world, if you've been around family camps before, you know that sometimes, at least it used to be that the expected trajectory was as you get closer to the end of the week, that's when you really like drop the bomb, right? That's when the big stuff happens on the last night because we want it to end with a bang, right? There's no rule that says we have to do that. What if we just started there tonight? And what if we didn't even wait for a certain feeling or a certain buzz or a certain like fuzzy, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if we just approached the throne of grace? What if we leaned in? What if we surrendered? And what if we even went as far as to be so focused on the greatness and the glory of God that that's all it's about right now and just letting him do his thing? Would you, Bayshore, join me in making room right now in an even greater way for the Holy Spirit to move? Would you, Bayshore, Consider joining me at the altar tonight to bow, to kneel, to seek the Lord. You don't even have to have that great of a reason. Maybe for, for tonight it's just, Adam, I don't know what's going on, but I just want to lean in. I don't want to miss it. Adam, I don't know what God wants to do, but I want to be surrendered now. I want to choose surrender now. Adam, I don't know what it is, but I want to make sure that I remain obedient to him. Or maybe today you'd come forward and say, you know what? I'm not obedient. I'm holding on to sin, and I, I've been living like it's okay, and it's not. Sin is the great separator, but Jesus is the one that washes us. What if you came forward, and just like First John said, if we confess our sin, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What if tonight we just began with the end in mind and said we're here to be transformed and changed? And why would we settle for anything else? God, do what you're going to do. We don't demand anything of you. We just lean into your glory. Would you bow your heads for a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. And Lord Jesus, we come to you now by your grace and mercy, humbling ourselves before you and your greatness. We come to you with all kinds of different things on our minds and hearts, all kinds of expectations and all kinds of joys and all kinds of struggles. We're a mixed bag, all of us. But the great thing is you don't require us to have it all together. You want to be a part of our rebuilding. You want to be at the very center of our lives. And so tonight, we're just going to make the choice to submit to you because anything less would just be unfitting to your lordship. Anything less would just, we'd be missing out on the love and the grace that you pour out on us. Anything less would just be a missed opportunity. We don't want to miss it. You've got us here, and we are yours. And so, Jesus, we draw close to you. We find our hope in you. We lock our eyes on you. And we say, come and move among us in ways we could never ask or imagine. Be sure if that's your prayer, say amen.